0: Hey, everyone, my name is Francisco. This is Latin Entertainment and welcome to Conversamos. Today's episode is on Wakanda Forever Review. Join us as we share a critical view of the movie and all of its highs and lows. We hope you enjoy this episode of Conversamos.
1: Yeah. Yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song. I'm taking it back for the platform that I've formed. You helping me transform. I run the reservoir, the predator. You know, I got to say, when I was watching it and I saw that they were in Haiti, there was a part of me that wanted to jump the hell out of my seat and be like, nah, wait, what? Stop playing. And then I wanted to be like, can I pause this movie, call my sister, tell everyone like, yo. Like, (laughs) it was a very prideful moment, and I think so much as, like, a Haitian and everything that our country and our people are going through at this moment, and just traditionally seeing our representation has always been, like, pretty negative, you know? It's either, like, when it comes to the news, like, we're poor, um we have diseases, we suffer, you know, we're all this that, and I'm not going to even go into what has been said to, about us from our former president. To see them show the, the actual beauty of, of the island, even though I know it wasn't actually filmed in Haiti, and I don't get upset about that because I understand with the stuff going there, I, I, I can never see any movie studio allowing um, a crew to go there you know, to actually, like, film, because, like, insurance would just never agree to that. But to, you know, show that, hey, the island has beauty to it, people are beautiful there, you know, people go to school there and want to be educated there, you know, to see that was, like, really beautiful, to see, you know, the tie-in and, I don't want to say, like, sorry for spoiler, but, like, it's been, like, two weeks. So when, you know, Chala's son is there and, you know, his, his name is Toussaint, and I was just, like, like, I literally left the theater and I had to post on social media and, like, just give props to Ryan Coogler for what he did, not only in, like, um, telling the story and kind of, like, memorializing Chadwick Bozeman, but just, like, showcasing in such a beautiful light, showcasing indigenous culture in such a beautiful light. Like even though like they fought, at the same time it made you feel like whoa. They showed beautiful things about like both cultures, you know, and not made it like one side. Even though like Namor is quote unquote like the bad guy, like you could kind of be like, he's right. You know they coming for you, you know. So I, I think it it for me it meant a lot seeing that um and that's why like like i said like there's an aspect of of the movie where like it's not to me as exciting as the first one because i think the first one is so much more about joyous and celebration and this one is more somber and mourning but i like the representation and the story of, of these cultures so much more than i did um in the first one
2: yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, just to piggyback on that, I just want to kind of bring forth two points. The first being that, one, when you show Haiti in the big screen, it's like, okay, I'm sure that folks are asking, okay, why is Haiti on the big screen? You know what, what it has to do with Africa itself and Wakanda? You know the, um, you know fantasy city if you will and so maybe folks will it gives an opportunity for folks and even myself to kind of go back to history understand what happened throughout um causation and and, and, and the big fights that happened and what role haiti played in a bigger picture in history and secondly um it really kind of kept on reminding me that hey haiti is just not that country that's begging for mercy all the time, begging for money all the time, is poor all the time, you know, it's just kind of a sense of pride saying, hey, this is where we came from. We were strong warriors back then. And it's because of destabilization, just like other countries in Southern America and Central America, that folks were given guns. And that's what's happening today in Haiti. Folks are given guns, ruled by, you know, gangs that are supported by rich, richer, rich people in Haiti. And causing chaos. We don't manufacture guns yet. We have AR-15s in every corner. How did they get there?
3: And as far as for myself, I think the identities that it spoke out and amplified was the first. That I have to say this right because people say, "Oh, it's a Latino film and Latino representation." And I really want to invite everyone watching this to deconstruct it because. Latin is a homogenizing term that centralizes whiteness and centralizes a very colonialist view of identity. And in portraying and and casting a dark-skinned Mexican, first and foremost, was not even in Mexico do they do this, right? So here we have uh, a Black director, we have um, uh, completely people of color all, all over the production, showing right that the work can be done the representation of native cultures can be done with responsibility with respect and as far as representing you know i'm not mayan i am um, from the indigenous people known as nahua in mexico but as far as including myself in that representation of indigenous concept i think it highlights a representation, a, a people that have been forever been ignored by Hollywood, by cinema. And anytime we do hear about the Mayan culture, Mayan civilization, there's always some grotesque, uh, bloody, right? Very um, Eurocentric portrayal like Apocalypto. Um, we want to remind, remember that movie. And so I think in showing not just the cultural identity of the Mayan civilization, the Mayan people, which are living people today, but the language identities, I think, were really crucial in this film, where they actually cast um, Mayan actors and actresses who speak Yucatec Maya. So the identity of a Yucatec Maya speaking person is amplified and centered in this Film. Um, the fact that La Locan is not a Mayan concept; it's actually taken from a Nawa language. But I understand, right? It's a Marvel film, and to uh, to highlight those Mesoamerican identities that have been forever overlooked, and when they have been included in cinema, it has been to demean them and to continue this very racist, inter- you know, interpretation of this culture. I think to me, it made me cry, right? There's this scene where um, Namor takes Shuri to Tlalocan. And that whole scene, like, yo, like, I was just crying because it's he remade, right? They remade a Mayan city and the ball game. You see the ball game, you see the children. So I think a lot of us were evoked this, this trauma, right? That we always imagine what our lives would have been like had we not been invaded and disrupted by colonization. So I think a lot of us, our imagination goes wild, right? When we see that image and we see, you know, Wakanda and we see now a native city that has survived and is thriving amidst this colonial presence. I, so
1: I think- I think in so many of, I guess, Western European cultures, like, you know, death is this really like, um, sad somber um experience and for many of us who experience that it is but to see this you know with you know uh, this portrayal of an of like an African culture and so many um um, non-Western European cultures where they celebrate life and here they are like in this beautiful all white and you know their movement just everything, and it, it, it was all about that celebration. And so like, I think for me, it wasn't so much of like a change from the first one. I think it was more of a, a doubling down on showcasing the beauty of that, uh, the beauty of African culture, you know, to be like, we showed you this and that uh, of Wakanda, right? But also, we were telling stories of action and, and all these things. And here, we're going to pretty much start off this movie after this really sad scene to bring you this joyous scene and really this, like, highlight culture. See all these people just, like... I remember the first time I saw the, uh, the first trailer and then you saw them moving all in white and I was just, like, that hit me and I was just, like, I'm sold. I mean, I was already sold. I was just, like wow that 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 scene is just so like iconic you know and then later through the movie showing them as as like a culture in a city and you're just like you don't think about it in the moment right you're just all in there but i think they do such a good job to the point now i think in the past many people would be like if they were to showcase like here is this african Culture and city who are thriving, they're the most powerful in the world. You might be like, Okay, I want to believe that, but I've never seen it. And then now you've seen it, and you see it even more this time. You don't even think about it, you're just like, Yeah, Wakanda, yeah, I just can't wait for Wakanda being a real uh, world um, I was know, actually so. teaching,
0: um, and I use the libations like during the beginning of our like teaching moments. Which is like something I also saw in the movie where they're just pouring water on the ground, giving blessings, mm-hmm. and like highlighting that to me was like not only like kind of from like what I was doing like and doing teaching, but it's just like it's such a uh, marvelous visual to to see that like come to like the big screen that like these um, ancestrals and these rituals are, are coming into life.
3: Absolutely, if I can just add too, like I think the difference from Black Panther to Wakanda definitely agree that the Black Panther was like explaining the world, explaining how everything came to be, what's their philosophy, how are they surviving this, how are they thriving? But in Wakanda Forever, we all collectively were able to experience loss and at different levels, because not only was the loss of Chadwick, right, being captured in such a beautiful way, but I think it's telling of our time where... I don't know if y'all lost many relatives, but I know the pandemic took about 10 of my relatives. Um, So this sense of loss, this sense of humanity, this sense of how do we heal, right? How do we recover from this? And obviously, and it really awakened a lot of memories from my childhood, where in my culture, we celebrate death, right? And now that I'm looking back at it, I think just how it helps our mental health being able to grieve with celebration, because my elders would tell me this is for the living. Yes, we're celebrating the dead. We're honoring the dead, but it's really a way for us to honor our living and to kind of understand, right, that transition and in a way that celebrates because we still have our life to live, but how do we close this chapter? And it, I thought it was yeah, really- so
0: powerful. I'm kind of taking off back at of that. My, my question now is like, how is, how is the CIA being represented in these last two films? And also just the ongoing colonization of Western powers because, you know, it's, for me, it was always interesting because kind of like how it is right now with like US government, um, like not necessarily supporting the marginalized community that after um, COVID, um, you know, after the, in the Marvel universe, after the snap, after this five years of, of you know, depression disparity, for a large amount of people now they're going back into regular systems of things and you know folks still be acting up the same as if nothing happened that was something Mm -hmm. that was like popped into my mind but i just want to know from from you from you all as your
1: viewpoints well i I would say that i think marvel has done an amazing job and, and even before this movie i don't know if you've seen um uh falcon or captain america and the winter soldier and Them showing what happened kind of after the snap and how when everyone came back, you had this major mass displacement all over the world where, you know, people who were like refugees and people coming back and wanted to take what they had previously. Um, And so I felt like they continued it here. And for me, it was amazing seeing how they tie in Haiti in the movie And then in the scene at the UN and they literally just go like France and throw France out there on the bus. And I was just like, Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And I thought it was really awesome. But like there's that beautiful moment there. And then there's also the sad moment later on when you had um, Val and they're asking her like, Oh, you know, like dreaming of like having all the vibranium. She's like, oh, I dream about that all the time. And I can so see that being what the CIA would do. Like, oh, if they found a country that had all the resources that would like change the power dynamic where they were like, hmm, how can we destabilize them? How can we go in and get what we need for us to keep us on top as opposed to, okay, How can we share? How can we assist? You know, like, I know it's like a utopia, but, like, how you would want nations to work? Like, Wakanda doesn't have to share anything. They can keep everything to themselves, you know? Um, And and there's, like, the whole ask for a name, or is this, like, listen, they're going to come to you at some point. Like, we should go and get them first. Go
2: ahead. Um, No, that's... It's just great points. And what I... The way I portray not only the CIA, but the meeting in the UN is just, it's literally what happens in our world. It's true. It is, you know, science fiction mixed with truth. And, you know, I believe some folks are just watching the movie and say, oh, well, yeah, you know what? It's just a movie. It doesn't really happen this way. But if you're really curious about what transpired in history, then you're really getting an understanding of, oh. It really portrays our world, and so personally, I think calling people out of their, you know, on their BS is the best way to really make people understand. Hey, this is what literally what you're doing. I'm um, show the world what you're doing. Rub it in your face as well. You take accountability for your actions, right? And we. I was going to say we know that, but I was going to say probably art, music, films, poems are a way to depict reality in in, in some ways, you know? And so I think just saying that movie and calling out, you know, America or the Americas on there, um, I don't want to say yes, but it's, it's just putting it in front of them you know the white men pretty much
3: so yes if I, if i could share my thoughts on that i was really upset in the first film right. cuz he's right there right like going through the tra- like the the challenges at the end when um <laughs> when they're dethroned and i'm like why like what is his purpose cuz i got like savior vibes from him like like oh they need him in order to establish themselves but then I'm like, no, well, not really, because he's not the savior. He's not the stereotypical like white savior in here. Mm-hmm. But and then the second film, I guess what bothers me is like, why does he have to fly and save people's lives? And I don't know. There's this one scene where he takes over, right? We're sure he has him drive. Um, I forgot which aircraft, and he's like, oh, you know, you know how to drive this and that, but. Again, to me, historically, the CIA has has been anything but helpful to our communities, especially when we're looking at infiltration in the 60s and 70s. So, but at the same time, I also understand that there's a white audience and that there are white allies. And perhaps this was a way to kind of like keep them in mind. But, you know, and I agree. I think Disney was like, you need to have some white person in there because, right, we're in a colony here. But that was really pro- it was very problematic to me because of the uh, my awareness of the CIA and their problems, right? And their um, dismantling of our movements. But I will say I much rather have a white person be the CIA agent than a Wakandan or a Tlalocan being a CIA agent, because mm-hmm. we have a lot of films that do that already. And historically that did happen. So uh-huh. I much rather see a white person <laughs> to be the CIA agent than our own people, right? Participating in that. But
0: All right, so now we're gonna uh, switch um to a different set of characters of um Sherry's Arc, talk about Sherry's arc, introduction to Riri Williams, and overall like just the technological technological advances that we've seen throughout this movie. Uh and Terry, you can start.
1: Oh, you know, oh go on, sorry.
2: Oh no, I was just gonna say like um Just for the technology itself, I mean, back in historical times, I think about the technologies that we've had, you know, astronomy, you you know, and I know about the Mayans because I think they're probably the most prominent, but, you know, advertised in, you know, our era, but. They already had a way advanced, you know, astrology, Mm -hmm. um, astrological science, um, and also Africa with all the um, resources, natural resources that it's got as a continent. And, you know, you see China, America, all these countries trying to get a piece of the pie And it's like, well, you know what? If these brilliant minds weren't enslaved or killed, what wonders could we do? And it's literally that. Um, And so I think that, and introducing Riri as well is, hey, let's not forget our African-Americans here and the efforts they make. Or, you know they to contribute to 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 investment period so I thought that that was always the great thing
1: so I watched a number of, of the interviews with the cast and whatever and I always felt like Letitia Wright. she always exuded the most emotion to me out of all the cast members in regards when they were talking about Chadwick and the filming like I remember when they brought him up for Comic-Con like I could see like she was kind of like holding back like a lot of the emotion and tears, you know, so seeing her performance in there was absolutely wonderful. Like her having to like be the lead and, and carry this story and carry that uh, character and mantle of Black Panther going forward was awesome. And her having to deal with the grief and anger, you know, her anger, I could feel the anger where she was just like, I don't care. You know, when she talked to Mbako, I don't care. I'm going to get this dude. Killmonger. I was just like, Oof, I feel her, but like, you know, her they did, I think they did a really good job when they brought back uh, Killmonger for her to see him in an ancestral plane and her to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm in this state of like, you know, when you talk about your stages of grief, she's in that stage of like anger and that's who she would see and that's who she connect to. Um, and then she finally got into that stage of like, Acceptance, you know, and she's like, "Hey, I'm this person now. My family would not have wanted me to do these things." And you know, at the end, she was like, "No, we need to, you know, be allies." It was
3: their power and their technology. I'm like, I don't think anything that he said gave it away. And when he was explaining it, it was just their source, uh, vibranium. You know, I that's the way I took yeah. it. Um, but I think too, I think. Definitely, what Kevin said about the technology, we could just imagine what our energies would be going into had we not been colonized um and continue to be colonized. And I obviously i one thing I wanted to talk about was the representation of of women in power because honestly, I had had a conversation with one of my uh, friends and she was thinking that Black Panther, like what, who else is going to be Black Panther, right? Like, she didn't think about about, um, Shuri, right? It was like, oh, maybe Killmonger, you know, redeems himself, or maybe like, so it was interesting that she wasn't even thinking about, you know, uh, Shuri. And so I think this whole idea of like patriarchy, and I know in many indigenous societies, I don't know much about African cultures, but i I've heard people talk about uh, matriarchal societies where women are in these very powerful positions. And I like how Wakanda introduces or leads our way for Shuri to be Black Panther, which I think a lot of people that are not used to seeing women in power were pretty surprised by that because they're like, oh, well, maybe they're going to introduce someone else or someone else is going to rise up that's already been introduced in the cast. And it's talking about technology per se, women, black women, indigenous women, women of color in general are so impacted and so um, underrepresented when it comes to STEM, when it comes to like these type of programs. So I can see the energy for Riri where like to cater to the younger generation, but also to say like, yes, in Wakanda, there's this type of technology, but We still have such, you know, like she said, young, gifted and black, right? Uh, Peoples in our communities that are overlooked, right? Like she talked about how she built it in a few months and Mm -hmm. with so little that she had, she was able to create this. So I think that speaks volumes to how us as as students, those those students are in STEM. I'm not in STEM, but those STEM students Sometimes you do have to just use whatever you have and you create wonders with it. So I thought that was exciting only because I know that STEM is such an underrepresented field for women of color and, you know, you know, uh, communities of color per se. So that was huge. And that's all I can say about that, because I'm not too um, knowledgeable on the rest. But it was exciting to see that, especially a young black woman in two cases. They're both young. They're both black. They're both scientists in their own fields. So I think that was really exciting to see. That's not something I've seen ever before. So bringing that to the table and allowing the next generation of kids that are watching this to think, wow, like sometimes you don't imagine something because you haven't seen it, like you haven't seen your own people represented in it. But I could just imagine how this is going to inspire new generations of scientists um, to, to take over this.
0: Very good point. And so as you continue on, uh, I just wanted to speak about Namor. Um, you know, what do you think of him? Is he a hero, anti-hero, villain? But also, how does he like maybe compare and differ to Killmonger? Um, I know, like it was great to kind of, for at least when I, I was there watching Killmonger and seeing him, everyone was like that was like the big awe moment. Like it, it shocked everybody. Like I I didn't expect, no one expected that in, 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 my, in my audience. And um, just kind of speak about like how the d- both differences, just because. Both of them are products of colonization in their own way.
1: Whether it I be, love what they did with, with Namor or Namor, which part of me was like that's kind of corny, but at the same time, kind of cool the way that, you know they did the whole change of the name. I think they did. Um, the actor Horta was just so, just such an amazing, an amazing, an amazing job, and every time. I see interviews with him, like, I just have a lot of respect for what he did and like what he was trying to achieve and wanted to show off and all these different things. Um, I definitely felt like they showed Namor being this amazing villain who, again, kind of like Killmonger, is an anti-hero, but... To an extent, like, I, I think with Killmonger, you definitely saw this really violent side to Killmonger. Um, which you could say is, like, hey, one, that was um, created and fostered by him being part of the U.S. military. Him in, like, growing up in the condition that he grew up into. And, like, you know, um, uh, I think it was L.A. and, you know, back then with, like, gangs and all, all those things. And I think some of the difference between him and Namor, like, Killmonger is like, hey... I want to go and do all these things for all this other people and I want to take what's ours, whereas I feel' more is kind of like, I want to protect us and our culture and our civilization and I want to attack these people to defeat them so that they will never be able to be able to take us over. So I, I think those were the two differences and then even though I think Namor was also kind of really cold and he's just like he used that whole justification of like yeah I'm gonna kill you but it's because you know this is what we need to do <laughs> you know so it was a little bit more I think a little bit more cold where I think um, Killmonger is like ruthless you know this just like how I saw it in that way
2: yeah oh no just piggyback on that again um you know what you I actually paint a pretty good picture of that. So in my mind, I sort of thought of Neymar as, hey, he lived the atrocity and he had a personal um, hatred against um, the colonizer. Whereas Wakanda never truly had to go or experience the colonization and brutality. But um, in the first movie, we see that when African Americans were taken from Africa and brought here in America and basically lost a piece of their identities, they too had that sense of anger. And that's when, you know, um, in, in the first movie, um, he became an anti-hero, but Namor, I think that just all the atrocities he's seen as a young kid says hey you know what before they do that to me again i will just eradicate them whereas wakanda knows that they have an army of just fighters and soldiers It's like well you know what until it happens we will be diplomatic and pacific so that was my two cents on that and i gotta say that also my wife she's native from well you know the suburbs of oaxaca probably four hours away from oaxaca and she too was saying that hey you don't really see natives kind of riot or you know like be in the forefront of things because you know i guess i don't really i can't say verbatim but it's like we don't really see that much push from some of the communities and and correct me if I'm wrong but um, it's kind of like not living in the shadows but just living in their communities and just be kind of low-key kind of deal so
1: and what is so it- I- really quick with, with that I think one thing I just thought about when you say that one thing I always do see Native communities fight for is when it comes to Things regarding the planet and resources like water, you know things of that nature. So I felt a connection when they're like, hey, we understand they're gonna come for vibranium in atarkan, you know so I, I can see him like, okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna fight because like they're trying to take our resources right there
0: and and something that also, from what Terry shared that kind of brought to my light again is that that scene where um, Young Namor um, kills the priest, kills um, like all that sp- Spanish um, slave house, right? Um, that to me was actually very powerful because um, in, in history, I was like usually the priest um, would be like just straight up molesting like a young indigenous natives, like um, mm-hmm. throughout the, the industrial schoolings. Um, that they have been reported, and even so, like, young uh, Natives have been, like, buried amongst all these residential schools. So when I was seeing that, like, revolt um, and, and killing the, the same religious figure that has been done so much atrocities to that population, to me, like, I was, like, very, like, oh, like th- this is amazing. Like, thank you for showing that, because I do have, my, you know, my personal frustrations and such, but, like, I was very able to be vented out in that manner. But go ahead, Sitali.
3: My goodness, so much to this. Uh, let me try to make you brief. So I liked how they got the name, Namor, which is Sin Amor, because that's what the priest told him, right, when he was being killed, Sin Amor. Um, I thought that was very interesting. And like I said earlier in this introduction, I really appreciated how they showed the smallpox outbreak, which historians like myself and other folks say that this was a biological warfare tactic that was done on indigenous communities and other communities worldwide. I like that, that it captured that suffering because a lot of people don't know that. And then I like how when he came back telling his story, we get a cap, we get a vision of indigenous enslavement, which is another thing that is not talked about, right? About how indigenous peoples were enslaved. Um, So I thought that was huge. You know, teaching opportunity. And for those of us who don't know Indigenous history, those are huge things to talk about when we're talking about colonization and genocide and things that we have in common as communities. And the whole story of how Vibranium was found, right? Like, I like the whole story behind it. I wish they would have spent more time on that scene because that's specifically why I wanted to watch it again because I was like, yo, you explained that way too fast. Like, I wish they would have slowed down in in those because I think that's huge, right? Explaining why Namor is who Namor is. So I think really powerful, but it also, um, to piggyback what you all were saying, as far as resources, you know, indigenous peoples today in many communities, we have had to fight for basic rights to even water. Where in Bolivia, years back, if you watch another film called Even the Rain, it talks about how they were were companies were private. You know, the water privatizing water. Sorry, where people indigenous folks couldn't even collect water from the rain because that was privatized and they were being um, criminalized for that. So the concept of resources, land back, um, our sacred resources. Even water, air, like these are things that we don't know how this system is going to go, but if they're privatizing like food crops and seeds, right? Very, very essential to native communities. It's really sad to think of the them privatizing water or other natural resources that we all need to survive. So in talking about that, Namor's character, I think is kind of both, right? The Yata hero and the hero in different instances. But I will say this, I like how when he first meets Uh, Queen Rwanda and and Shuri he doesn't come with angry he doesn't come with war he doesn't come trying to attack he comes in saying wow you exist my mother told me that y'all existed like he comes in with this like he's in awe right he's in awe to find another people that have that he had heard about which makes me wonder right like how did he know that and how how was that story how did his mom know about that But anyway, so I thought it was interesting how he first comes with this, like, wow, like, this is this is uh, unbelievable. This is happening. But then it's like your son endangered us. He's exposed the world to us. So you're basically responsible for keeping us alive as well and protecting my my people, too. So I thought it was very critical and very interesting how um, Kugler danced with that rivalry, which is we're not rivals because we're rivals. We're rivals because we're both equally powerful in different domains. And that whole film to me was like, how do we sustain that without overpowering each other, without dominating each other? How do we keep these relationships peaceful while understanding that us being at peace means that we're going to live longer and thrive longer, which I think speaks volumes on the black and brown issues that we have in our communities you know uh,
1: the whole thing where you're talking about like you know indigenous or latinos watching like why did like namor have to lose i mean you go to the end of the movie namor didn't really lose he got exactly what he wanted he got wakanda to be an ally and wakala wakanda to pledge to defend them you know what i'm saying so he just like i got what i wanted we're united you know, he's just like, well, they're not ready to go and take that first step and strike. But if anything happens, they are down for us. So like, I I absolutely like love that, you know, and I can totally get, you know, like different cultures. One thing I, I, I do also really like is that for the like the black people who I know who watched it. I was worried that some people would be like, why are they like showing like Latinos or why are they in- including indigenous or whatever? I didn't get that from the people I know who watch it. They were just like, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I like seeing this other culture and seeing how it was showcased. I think they were just like, I like how they show us. And hey, there were other people and I like how they gave them the same thing and showed them being beautiful and all this amazing stuff, too. And for me, that's like, that's a win. That's a win. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, because you do have people like that who are just like, oh, I don't want like, why are they coming in and just like, together, we make an even better story.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, too, like this movie, I don't know, I I joke with my wife all the time, like this movie was made for us, you know,
0: (laughs) obviously, but yeah, it's, yeah, it was very touching. And so now, um, maybe if you have heard the soundtrack, um, I know for myself, Kuala Visa" is like, stay on repeat. (laughs) um and, and oh, there's like the other song with e40 i thought e40 being on the soundtrack with within itself was a like, complete flex because like he's such a prolific rapper yeah la vida and who's the rapper snow the products like she got some bars on that too i was so much prideful in, in, in listening to the soundtrack but if anyone else has heard like please share. i haven't
1: listened like too much to the soundtrack i i think one thing like I think there are like two movies in the MCU. It's either Guardians or like Black Panther who like
2: okay.
1: use and understand that music is a part of storytelling, you know? And like, it's really important to like the story and especially for like our cultures to have that music. And so I was like, oh, Rihanna got a new song. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, I feel this, I vibe this. But like for me, the... The aspect of music that I love the most is actually like the African beats and the whole um um traditional African like the chanting of whenever the Dora Malage is around, where they're like, choo, choo, choo. I'm just like, I get like goosebumps whenever that happens. Like, I remember the first movie, I had that on like repeat that scene, and I was just like, I mean, I'm amped up. I was like, Dora Milaje. I'm amped up. I'm like these women warriors. I am amped up. So like that soundtrack. That mu- music, the whole beats, everything just gets me like on fire whenever I hear it. I'm just like, I think sometimes I can like watch the movie. Just like this play background music and beats and I'll just be like good sometimes watching it, you know?
3: Absolutely. I was actually blasting Con La Brisa t- as I was getting ready for this talk tonight. So Con La Brisa, I-, I think, I don't know what the heck I experienced, but yo, watching Con La Brisa, hearing Colabrisa. Brisa, watching the scene I, i'm stuck on that scene y'all like i it just hypnotized me it just did something very it felt powerful like i can't explain it like i'm just like and then the rest of the soundtrack is fire because snow the product has been underrepresented and overlooked by so many and the fact that he has her in there with e40 and then we have mayan rappers rapping in the mayan language on the soundtrack then we have um santa fe clan which is a mexican rapper straight up from i think mexico city Mm -hmm. so i can tell just in all this i could tell ryan kugler everyone here they're really focused like on underground like getting what is underground up there to the masses to and i really, really appreciate that because it's like Yo, we don't want them to be underground forever. Like they deserve to be heard, they deserve to be listened to. And the fact that not only in the film is he, is he worried about representation, but in the soundtrack, I was just like to have Mayan rappers of uh, Maria Advertencia is one of my favorite rappers as well. She's on there too, bajo los árboles. Um, oh my goodness, powerful. So I was just like, everything like from the film to the soundtrack. Everything just seems so well thought out. Like I can tell people really put in effort, really took the time to research our communities and to amplify these voices. And so my little, I have a a 22 month old and we dance con la brisa every day. We blast it and we dance. And I'm just like, it's a whole new energy that that they're bringing to our community. So I'm all for it. Y'all got to hear the soundtrack. It's amazing.
2: yeah no it was it was it was just dope i mean just so i was actually telling people this so right now we could see that let's say dark-skinned dominicans right for example el lapis uh el Secreto Viveron, like these guys have been on the game the reggaeton game forever they're still underground or if they're like going a little bit Uh, getting a little bit of fame they're overshadowed by your bat bunnies by your Mm -hmm. you know um um, jay wildman's and it's like it shouldn't really be this way but you know it is what it is and now that those soundtracks from you know like literally maybe a top box office movie is actually showcasing those um underground artists yeah that's that's prime
1: yeah. yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I formed. Helping transform. I run the reservoir, the predator.
0: With that said, that is all the time that we have. Thank you everyone for joining us. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all our social media outlets and podcast platforms at Latin underscore entertainment. And check out our website where we center the Latin American diaspora on Abiyala. At www.latsonentertainment.org. Tune in next week for another great episode of Conversamos.
1: Yeah, yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, taking it back for the platform that i formed. YouTube's helping transform. I run the reservoir, the predator.